0: Hi, right, this is Byron Murphy, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I saw Murphy coming. This spring, he was different. His body was different. His
1: mindset was different. Lee Flicker pitching it back to Lawrence. He's in trouble. Jump ball pass picked off near side
0: by Murphy at the 30, running it back to the left of the 20, 10, 5, touchdown. Now he's a leader in that room, showing young guys how to prepare, take care of their bodies. It's just been awesome to see his progression, and the results are being shown on the field. DB's on three. One, two, three. DB's. Let's go. Wolf and Luke.
1: Talk Cardinals.
0: Now.
1: Alright, hour number two, live from the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. It is the Wolf and Luke show on a Tuesday heading into the first week of the NFL season. Wolf, so it is a, It's officially football season. It is essentially fall in Arizona, as long as you don't walk outside. But doesn't it feel like, like, to me, football is fall. And then all of a sudden, you got hockey and basketball starting, and then you put off Christmas shopping for too long. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, I'm sorry,
2: when I see the calendar, September means it's time to put on jeans. All right, that goes all the way back to growing up in Buffalo, New York. Here it comes. September's here. You put on the jeans. Of course, May comes around, and you put on the short pants. So it's kind of flipped. It's a little reversed. But I still do it here, even though I'm fat and 59. Here in the Basin, I still actually do that. Jeans for September,
1: shorts for May. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is fashion advice from Wolf. If you did like a, a fashion book, that would be it, right? It would be one page. Yeah. It'd be one sentence. That's what you do. All right. And you got Josh for everything Suck else. Suck it up, by the way. Uh, one of the guys to keep an eye on, certainly on Sunday, assuming he's out there, and honestly, he seems to be more likely to play than a lot of those other guys' names I just rattled off, is Trayvon Mullen, who wasn't on the Cardinals a week ago at this time, Wolf, but now here he is, former Vegas Raider. He's going to play his former team in Week 2. They are gonna need, um... They're going to need a lot from him, honestly, in the opener. This is not, This is not. hey, we're playing a running team. Uh, we're going to ease you into this. This is, yeah, we're a little thin at the position, and that's Patrick Mahomes over there. Cannot wait to actually watch Trayvon Mullen play, and he will be
2: out there. There's no doubt about it. You need three corners. You need three corners going into any game. They are considered starters. That nickel corner now, you need it. It is the 12th position, so to speak, on a defensive football team, and you need that corner to be good. He's going to be a guy that is going to be expected to run with some of these other guys down the field. You, you talk about Marcus valdez mm-hmm. Talk about that kind of speed, that raw speed. Um, you talk about McColl Hardman as well. Another guy with raw four three speed. You better, You better be able to run with these guys down the field because that's where this offense begins. It's very interesting, of course, Tyreek Hill is no longer there. But, man, when you talk about the Kansas City Chiefs offense, they made it a point to go out and get another guy to bring him in here. And that's what Marcus Velda-Scantling is.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, he's not Tyreek Hill, but you can understand why the Chiefs would say, what we're doing offensively has worked pretty well the last couple years. We don't want to change it up. Is there going to be a drop-off from Tyreek Hill to MVS? Yes, there is. But you don't have to change your offense. And to your point, you know, even if... Even if Isaiah Simmons is on Travis Kelsey most of the game and just plays a monster game, Kelsey's still going to get catches. And He's been doing that for, it feels like, 20 years. I know it's probably like six or seven. Uh, but even if he is able to bottle up Kelsey a little bit, which most guys can't do, if you're not careful with that speed, that's how the Chiefs will burn you. Because even though it's not Tyreek Hill, they're used to burning you with their speed. You know, they don't have necessarily on paper the best running game in the world. So they're going to go to the air and they're going to look at the Cardinals and at least until the Cardinals prove otherwise, they're going to look and say, hey, that secondary is pretty beat up and or thin at the cornerback position. So Trayvon Mullen spoke yesterday really for the first time we get to hear from him since he becomes an Arizona Cardinal and they asked him how he reacted to the trade. They really did. Trust yeah, me. They They, did. they, they did. I was excited. Uh, it was a big deal for me
0: uh, coming to a team like this. You no know, great players. A lot of good defensive coaches.
1: Uh, good staff. Um, you no, know, just a new opportunity for a new team, new state. Just ready to get going. Might be as much. It might be as simple as a change of scenery being what he needs to jumpstart his career. Although, Wolf, you brought this up last week. Until the injury last year, he basically was playing in every game he could have.
2: Yeah, that's going to be a bit of a mystery. Um, Trayvon Mullen and watching him develop as a player right now. Um, Why in the world would the Raiders let a guy that has length, has athleticism, has some talent, has started a lot of games in the National Football League walk out the door for a seventh-round pick that could go up to a six round back that is just mind-numbing to me it is and when this first came down i thought oh my goodness this is this has got to be a depth move right here from steve Kyman. who knows it's still early in the season who knows it may be a depth move right here but he's going to get the opportunity to go play this
1: sunday depth move potentially but it's safe to say now that we are, you know, four days, five days away from the opener. That they made the move with the intention of let's see if this guy can be an answer yeah, at right. corner. They're going to give him at least the Chiefs yep. game and, and maybe a game against his former team. If he plays well, maybe they're not making. Uh, they may make other moves, but to your point when they made the move for Trayvon Mullen I was like okay that's, that's their backup corner they brought in where's the guy that they're going to bring in to be like the number one opposite Byron Murphy or however they want to do it and we have not seen that second move and they do like this guy a lot so if, if they get if their faith in Trayvon Mullen is rewarded then I don't totally understand what the Raiders were doing. Yeah, and of course, we're
2: talking about the Kansas City Chiefs here. We all know how good this offense is with Andy Reid, Eric Biennemi, and Patrick Mahomes, of course, running things right there. The number three offense in the National Football League, the number four passing offense in the National Football League, number one in first downs last year, number one on third down, number four in points scored. Would you say these are big metrics right here? these are big metrics indicative of a high-powered offense that the Kansas City Chiefs have. You know what's so interesting about it, though—the one weakness the Chiefs—they're not a great running team. They're a good running team, they're not a great running team. And you know where that shows up? I just gave you all the number ones, all the number one, all the the top five stats of the Kansas City Chiefs. The red zone. They were 14th last year. <laughs> this high-powered offense that knows how to throw the ball—they get is, right down the field well into, into the red zone, zone. Anybody, no problem. As well as anybody in the league, is number 14 in red zone attempts being turned into touchdowns? Think about that. Why is that? It's because the windows get smaller down there. The players get quicker. The players get better down there. The windows are tight. You have to be able to run the ball in order to be a really good red zone team.
1: Isaiah Simmons can cover a higher percentage of the field down there. Exactly right. There's less room to stretch You've the Cardinals' Defense fence out. Um, so, look, Trayvon Mullen's going to have to play a role, assuming he's good to go in this game. We'll we'll see. Talk about just getting thrown right into the fire, and let's see how well you react on your new team. He's at least familiar with the Chiefs. All right, we come back. The Pac-12, top to bottom wasn't bad over the weekend, but their playoff chances already took a pretty big hit. We'll get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. So were there two of us? There were two of us in the Wolf Pack. I was alone first in the Pack. Wait a second. Could it be? I just added two more guys to my Wolf Pack. Four of us Wolves. Running around the desert together in Las Vegas. You and your wolf back in Vegas for Cards Raiders. you want to win? All right, Wolf, well, this is a pretty good deal we got going on this week all right we are going to try to qualify somebody right now it's time for our weekend with the Wolfpack qualifier and that qualifier is Michelle Lynch from El Mirage so Michelle you have 10 minutes to call 602 260 9870 to get qualified for the grand prize trip to Vegas to see the Cardinals take on the Raiders in week 2 and you get a hotel stay courtesy of Circa Resort and Casino Not bad there now if Michelle doesn't call within 10 minutes we're going to open the phone lines to somebody else if you didn't hear your name, you can still win by texting Vegas to 620-620 and listen for your name tomorrow between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. So once again, Michelle Lynch from El Mirage, you have 10 minutes to call 602- 260-9870. And Wolf, even like the consolation prize quote is Cardinals Chiefs. So like you want to... Michelle, you want to call in, and if Michelle doesn't call in, we'll tell everybody in 10 minutes. At that point, you want to call in because you want to be involved in this.
2: Oh, that is going to be absolutely awesome right there. Michelle Lynch, what are you doing? Pick up the phone and call. What is the
1: number again? Luke? 602-260-9870. Yes. Any relation to John Lynch? Michelle. We'll find out if she calls in. She's got to answer that one question to get the tickets. Do you have any relation to John Lynch? Uh, all right. Over to college football Wolf. And we got into the uh the, the Sun Devils obviously on Friday because they had played on Thursday. But in general the Pac twelve <laughs> took a, a hit at the top as they often do early in the season. How so, Luke? What do you mean? Well, Oregon lost by 46, Mm. so that's not great. And Utah lost to Florida, who is, you know, it's the start of the season. But for the most part... This year, Florida seems to be considered a above-average SEC team, but they weren't even ranked.
2: Yeah. Um, what was the loss that really left a mark on the Pac-12? The Oregon one. It
1: would be well, they, Oregon. They didn't even speak in the end it zone is,
2: once. Listen, I mean, when you're talking about a school that has history now, you're talking about a school that has all sorts of resources in the Pac-12. Man... The Pac-12 has taken a mighty fall, at least nationally, in the perception, I think, of the Pac-12, especially in terms of the game of football.
1: Yeah. To me, I think USC is the team to beat. And if you're trying to get a team into the college football playoff this year... It's USC was your best shot anyway, if that's how you watch college football. If you're like, hey, I'm an ASU fan or a U of A fan, but if they're not going to get in, I want somebody from the Pac-12 to get in. I think that team is USC. Now, that's a mixed bag, right? I don't know a lot of ASU fans that like USC. USC is not even going to be in the conference in two years. So how much does them going really help you out? Now, they handled – they were playing Rice. They beat them like 66-14. Yeah. to 14. Big deal. I still think that's the team that, you, that you're pinning your hopes to. But Oregon losing by 46 isn't a great look if Oregon loses to Georgia fine you're, you're playing it's a home game for Georgia they just won the national championship you lose I don't know 31 to 21 okay all right you know you got some work to do 49 to 3 looks like they weren't in the same sport here's here's the
2: one thing about it Luke that really bothered me um it wasn't the score it really was not it was it looked like Oregon didn't even belong on the field. They physically, yeah. from a physicality perspective, they got trucked. They got abused on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Staggering to me. Again, I'm not even. I'm not trying to attack Oregon in any way, shape, or form. But they, Georgia looked like it was playing a completely different game, a
1: different brand of football than Oregon did. Georgia That's scary. Georgia looked like that was their tune-up game. Which Oregon? Oregon was number eleven in the country. Oregon should never look like your tune-up game. Georgia beat them by more than ASU beat NAU, and ASU handled NAU. And and to your point, it was just kind of like, all right, we got to get uh, Kenny McIntosh involved in the running game. Okay, that worked. Let's uh, let's try Kendall Milton. Let's get him. Okay, that that worked too. Okay, let's let's work the pass. Okay, let's uh, let's give Lad McConkey a touchdown run, and let's throw him five passes. Okay, let's throw it to Kyris Jackson. Like they just worked in all their guys. They're it, tuned up for week two.
2: It, it was an embarrassment to the Pac-12. In what is left of the Pac-12, it was an absolute embarrassment to the to the this conference. I think about the SEC and how much pride they take in the SEC about how they go about their business. I love the fact that now all of a sudden you have a a a known commodity in the Oregon Ducks, um, at least a team that's oh, number eleven coming into the season. Yeah. To your point, right there, is going to go down and play a team in the SEC. I love that. It's one of the things I want to see more in college football. I want to see the interconference pl- uh, matchups the games against each other I want to see more of that going forward and I think I, I do believe by expanding the playoffs you'll have teams that will start scheduling more because they know listen we can lose a game we can lose a couple of games and still get into the playoffs if we're Oregon if we're USC if we're UCLA if we're in the SEC you can never all. lose
1: like that though I, unless you only unless unless you go 11 and0 the rest of the way you can never lose by 46. I know, but once again, I I think that we'll see universities take chances
2: and go ahead and play other universities. There'll be better games in the first three weeks of the college football season, I think, overall. That was supposed to be the
1: headliner. It was supposed to be Oregon, Georgia, and Ohio State, Notre Dame. And Ohio State, Notre Dame was a good game. I just don't care about those teams as much. I mean, don't get me wrong, I watched it. This one, (laughs) I could not turn this game off because I kept thinking, okay, Oregon will, you know, it's the first game they'll wake up, they're not going to come back and win, and then by the fourth quarter I was just like, and that that was my, my window on Saturday, Wolf, to really watch college football was when this game was on and the U of A game was on, and I don't want to watch U of A win, <laughs> so I just watched Oregon get hammered.
2: I just, and getting hammered is what they did right there. It just, it feeds the narrative. Everything surrounding the Pac-12 and how everything on the West Coast is soft. It's so much softer than the brand of football that is played back East. I mean, that is the narrative that has surrounded the Pac-12 for over a decade now. I, I, not Maybe not. Maybe right around a decade, I think. That's been the narrative surrounding it. Has it been true every year? No, I don't think it has been true every year. Do people talk about it? Yes. But now, all of a sudden, you take Oregon, the number 11 team in the, in the country. They go down to play Georgia and get absolutely abused I mean anybody who knows anything about football watching the line of scrimmage was an embarrassment man that is that's just gonna feed right into the narrative of the pac-12 it,
1: it is and you know how I teased the segment was you know the top of the, the the pac-12 took a huge hit overall the pac-12 had a I would say a decent weekend. They went 9-3 and three as a conference, but it doesn't really matter if Oregon's losing by 46 and Utah's losing when they're the 7th ranked team to an unranked Florida team. Not that I thought going to Florida would be an easy win for Utah. Right. but So 9-3, and three, Wolf, the losses are that blowout loss by Oregon, the loss by Utah, and then Colorado lost to TCU. The other wins don't really matter on a national can scale. Can you
2: can you hear it? A-C-C. Yeah. A-C-C. Right? You can hear the chant. Right? Right now, the Florida Gators, unranked, and they beat Utah, especially the number seven team in the country. Um, man, it's just yeah, it's a it's a
1: beatdown of the Pac twelve. It is especially because for me, if you said you got to pick one team to get into the college football playoff this year, and and you say it a week ago, this wouldn't this didn't change for me. I would say I would say USC for sure. But the only one that plays even close to the SEC style of football is Utah, right? I mean, it's entirely possible USC Curry plays Georgia, Georgia and it's it's a blowout loss too cuz they just they don't they don't play that SEC. Utah if, if the Pac-12 could send anybody to a bowl game against an SEC team, you would hope it would be Utah. And it wasn't like an embarrassing loss, but a loss is a loss. No.
2: Loss is a loss. And once again, going down and playing in Gainesville?
1: and Not easy. That's not easy by any stretch. But threat. it just doesn't feel like the Pac-12 ever beats the SEC. Man, it
2: just, it is. It's one of these things that, again, you hear a lot of these people, a lot of the analysts that are talking about the SEC. It's one of the reasons why, based on our I will tell you the NFL and so many NFL scouts will tell you there is a massive difference between the SEC and the athlete that plays and competes in the SEC as opposed to the Pac-12 or the Big 12 or really anywhere else in the country, even the Big 10. They all say it. The SEC is where you see the vast amount of NFL players. It is truly a minor league in and of itself for the
1: NFL. This pains me to say this, so I'm only going to take 10 seconds to say it. U of A beating San Diego State is not like some amazing win, but... It might be the most impressive of any Pac-12 win over the weekend. I'm going to put the feather in the cap, man.
2: And that is a big win. And listen, San Diego State, that's a physical team. Can I just that's tell that right that's, now? That's,
1: not like, that's not a throwaway win over Bowling Green or you know, whoever. No, that, that's, that's a that's win. That's a physical team. Jaden Delora, I don't, I'll never fully understand why he transferred from Washington State to U of A, but I think that's a legit... And I I think, honestly, when you get past USC, Oregon, and and Utah, you have a bunch of teams that could win between four and seven games. And I think U, U of A is, unfortunately, now in that group. Uh, Michelle called in. She got her tickets, Wolf. No! Wolf. She, she qualified for the Vegas. Okay,
2: right on, yeah. Michelle. Yeah. Way, way to go. Time. Say hello to John, will you please?
1: Uh, I believe we're doing this again tomorrow, too, oh, so okay. yeah. stick around that's as cool. we uh, continue to just give stuff away that isn't ours. Love it. Uh, we come back. Isaiah Simmons has the green dot this season. How confident are you in Isaiah in week one against the Chiefs? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.
0: Hi, this is Isaiah Simmons. You are listening to 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Woo!
1: Starbacker is a guy that
0: plays linebacker, a little bit of safety, a little bit of dime. I mean, he's he's a star position. Starbacker, that's my first time getting like a cool name to a position. Lance hit at the goal line, and he did not get in. Oh, what a hit by Isaiah Simmons.
1: He's a star, you know, he can play whatever position. Let's go! Wolf and Luke. Talk Cardinals. Now. Hey. Uh, command and control answering the phones. Michelle did call in last segment, so she has qualified for the weekend with the Wolf Pack. Um promotion. Beautiful. chance to maybe go see the Cardinals in Vegas Week 2. You know, stay at Circa Resort and Casino. No big Hello. deal. Stay right at the very top of the strip. Uh, Alright, so back to the game this weekend against the Chiefs. And I mentioned this at the top of the show, Wolves. So I want to dive into it a little bit more here. I got all the confidence in the world in Isaiah Simmons. You know, sometimes you just you pick a player and you're like, this guy's got it. This guy, you pick other players, like like, I just don't trust this guy. Simmons from day one, I was... I was kind of surprised he was still there where they picked in that draft. I was ecstatic they were able to get him. I think he can do everything they are throwing at him, but they are throwing a lot at him. When you you toss the the green dot in there as well, not that I don't think he can handle it, but can he handle it right away from snap number one on Sunday, having not played at all in the preseason? This is where if you're going to give him the green dot, I would have had him out there do a couple series, just kind of get into that, and maybe he's done a version of it before. I'm not saying he's never called a play in but this is this is learning on the fly against the Chiefs. Yeah, you know
2: I, listen, they've been practicing and every practice he's got the green dot and he's getting the call from the sideline and he's doing it in practice. He's the guy giving the, the call of course to everybody else out there so yeah, okay I, I see your point. I get it you'd like to do it when the silks were on out there and you knew you were playing a real game but I, I think they would tell you they've done it in practice enough right now, and that's where you learn. That's when you get it done, and then hopefully you're going to go out and you're going to do exactly what you've done in practice out on the field. So, we'll see how that goes. I will tell you this, Travis Kelsey wasn't out in practice on the field (laughs) with Isaiah Simmons. He wasn't out there in practice, of course, and that's going to be a big matchup
1: going forward on Sunday. Okay, so let's do this, and I know you played fullback, you didn't play linebacker in the NFL, but like Take me through what this is going to look like for Isaiah Simmons on just a typical play on Sunday because to me, I, if I'm working through this mentally, I'm thinking, okay, Isaiah Simmons is out there. He's in the heart of the defense. He might be playing corner. He might be playing safety. He might be playing inside linebacker. He might be on the edge. And as he's doing that and he's relaying the play to everybody else, he's also going to keep an eye on Travis Kelsey? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what I think. Right? Who's there, got yeah. the most responsibility in the NFL other than a quarterback <laughs> this weekend? It's Isaiah Simmons. You know what
2: I love about it, though, Luke? What does it say
1: to you? What does it say? It says they believe in oh, Isaiah Simmons.
2: man. It does say that. I thought that. I believed in
1: Isaiah Simmons, and exactly, so I saw that, that checklist. Exactly
2: right. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to give Isaiah Simmons the green dot. That means an awful lot about him as a person, his development. It means a lot about his brain as well. And now, all of a sudden, you're going to give him the green dot when you know there's a lot of this stuff going on, and he's going to be moved all over the field. Oh, and by the way, in week one, he's going to be probably matched up with Travis Kelsey a lot. This is Cliff. <laughs> that means you think an awful lot of I- Isaiah Simmons.
1: <laughs> yeah, it really does. Uh, Cliff. Cliff's going to join us later on in the show today at one forty-five. But he did speak to the media yesterday, and he talked about Isaiah Simmons getting the green dot
0: having vance be able to talk him through some things i think locks him in um snap to snap which has been been helpful and just him having a better knowledge of our defensive terminology is what we're trying to get to um it's really been a win-win for us so far i think he has a better feel for what we're trying to do and then vance being able to talk him through some things pre-snap i think will really help him as well
1: this is why wolf i keep saying, I think he's maybe the most pivotal Cardinal this season, other than Kyler Murray, obviously. But anybody else, anybody you look on offense, if you would say, okay, who could they not afford to have? Well, you'd say DeAndre Hopkins. Well, they don't have him, and they're obviously going to go out there and try and win these first six games. You know, Rodney Hudson is on that short list. Um, James Connor, maybe, but they have four backups at least. They don't have anybody that they ask to do as much as they're going to ask Isaiah Simmons to do on defense. Yeah. And if he is great this year and he can handle all this, this is a playoff Team. Yeah. if he struggles man, somebody like three other guys are going to have to step up to make up for it
2: can i tell you right now though my my concern is not isaiah simmons okay you know it is it is not right now even though you're going to be moving him all over the place even though i know he's going to be one of the fulcrums to the defense and the success of the arizona cardinals defense if you tell me Isaiah Simmons is good and you tell me that that Zayvon Collins is not a liability, just not even a liability, but he's he's out there and he's he's making some plays and he's, he might be missing some, but he's not a liability in any way, shape, or form. Doesn't mean he's great. Doesn't mean he's going to the Pro Bowl. Doesn't mean he's going to the Hall of Fame. Just means he's not killing you out on the field. If you tell me those two guys can contribute... I honestly think it's the tipping point to whether or not this defense is good or bad. Yeah. 100%. 100. I, I I do believe 100%. that. So Isaiah Simmons, there's so much more. It's not just Isaiah Simmons. It's it's so many other guys that need to step up. Marco Wilson, man, in a in a quarterback a cornerback room that looks really depleted, man, Marco Wilson has got to step up. Byron Murphy's got to continue to get better. Those two guys, two of the three corners you're gonna play, they have to be good. I'm not saying they're going to be the best corner tandem in the league. I'm not saying they're going to the Pro Bowl, but they have to be good. They, they can't be liabilities as
1: well in a room that is that shallow. Uh, here's one more from Cliff, talking about Isaiah Simmons. The responsibility that you're going to give him this year obviously indicates, like you said, Wolf, they really believe in him and that he has grown over his first now two-plus years in the league. Here's Cliff.
0: I'd say more positional change. I mean, he'd never played that close to the ball before he came here. He was always kind of that back and um, safety that roll down, and they play him all over. But to, to be in the box as a linebacker in this league, there's a lot going on, and so... Uh, um, just the more reps he's gotten, the game slowed down for him and, and the understanding of our defense.
1: It's just it's funny to me because if you you know you're a Cardinals fan but you didn't play in the league for ten years or you don't you don't live and die by every play right you just you know the team you want them to win typically you'll get the, you, we all know people like this you watch the games with yeah. and they're like oh yeah okay they're on defense I'm gonna go you know go order food or whatever now I think the defense just because of Isaiah Simmons is like must see on Sunday Wolf and yeah. probably that way because I I want to see where he's lining up and how the defense is fitting around him and how he is getting everybody in play. Place, and he is now guarding the best player on the Chiefs because they don't you have Tyree Kill. Yeah, you know, it's man, I've, I really
2: like that right there, listening to Cliff, because he made it sound like the star backer is going to be in the box.
1: He made it sound <laughs> like that's the hardest thing for him back. to do.
2: yeah. Or
1: at least the but most unnatural. Right? Yeah.
2: yeah, and he said he, he really likes what he's seeing from him down in and around the box, right? Yes. The star backer. Um, how many reps? This is going to be really interesting to see the breakdown of where Isaiah Simmons is. Is he inside the box? Is he on the edge on the box? Or is he in the middle of the box? That That is what I want to know. We're going to
1: we'll need Craig Realu to walk in here on Monday with I those seriously
2: numbers. agree. If you're listening right now, this is exactly what I demand of you. I demand this of you, agree that you, you chart where he is on the field. How many snaps he gets where he lines up in the slot. How many snaps he gets where he lines up in the middle of the field? How many snaps he gets at, at inside, weak side? I mean, honestly, I would love somebody to do that. How cool would that be? It's kind of hard to do it while you're calling a game. It really is. Maybe Which the is next why you're day, outsourcing it to our listeners. Day, yeah, maybe yeah. the next day after that I'll be able to watch the tape and go ahead and, and, and mark it. That's what I'm going to do. But it's probably going to be about 48 hours before That's I have a total
1: on that. You know it's football season when Wolf is sitting here giving craig realu who's not on the show right now by any means homework
2: oh and by the way snaps
1: under center. Well, I think wandering. that that would that, that's implied too. What's what's the number you want Kyler to hit? Snaps under center in week 1. Do you have a you number? You
2: know, honestly, um, I would like to see double digits. I would like that. If you go back and you look at the Arizona Cardinals in the first month of the season um last year, actually a little bit more than that, I would say, the first 6 weeks of the season. They were around 8 to 10, 11, 12 reps under center um, a game. And yet their offense was really performing well. Again, I believe this is... I I know I harp on it all the time, but I believe this is where they can grow the most. It's such a simple concept. We're going to attack the line of scrimmage in a north-south way, which is going to suck up the second level. I don't care who you have on the second level. They're going to go, oh my goodness, you're running the ball. You're attacking downhill towards the line of scrimmage. No, you're not. It's a play-action pass. And we got a tight end who's running a little in route behind you who just sucked down from the second level because you thought it was James Conner coming down I mean it is a simple concept and it's been around the game of football forever I want to see him develop that part of it because I really think it's going to help them late in a football season and into the postseason as well.
1: Well, they are obviously doing things with the goal of being better late in the season and into the playoffs and putting a bow on Simmons. As much as I wish we had seen him a little bit in the preseason, Wolf, it's going to be... Really compelling on Sunday because who knows where they're going to put him? Do they have some sort of surprise that even we haven't seen? Is he going to parachute in on third down? Like, he could be anywhere on the field, and it wouldn't really surprise you at this point. The only thing that would surprise
2: me is if he lined up. As the wide corner. Can you imagine how cool
1: that would be? He's out there all. Let's try that again. He's uh, out there on Marcus
2: Velda Scantling.
1: (laughs) Here we go, baby. All right, we come back. The Steelers have their quarterback. I I think Tampa Bay still has their quarterback. We'll take you through the latest news around the National Football League next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 987 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, Wolf, I just watched the uh, trailer for Hard Knocks in season during that break. It's only 30 seconds. It's just a shot of Kyler and the Hard Knocks music and a shot of DeAndre Hopkins. More Hard Knocks music just going back and forth for 30 seconds and then it says anything can happen. And you know what? If you just play the Hard Knocks music, I'm in. Like, if you just showed a picture of somebody pushing a grocery cart... Through like a store, really? and if you played the hard knocks music. I'd be like, I should go grocery shopping. You right know, now. that's
2: it. I've always thought of grocery shopping as hunting. <laughs> there you are. It's very cool, right? You are. You're pushing the car through, and you're looking to pluck something from the out. <laughs> what What is the music? I
1: haven't heard the. You haven't music Haven't heard the so hard knocks no. music. I, this is well. I mean, not no. No, not, you just I, I mean, I can't. I can't. Is it the same it. for every episode? You know, they they have. I guess 12, I should watch this. They have, I lived it. I'm sorry, basically. We didn't I, live I the. Music. That's okay. they have a full. I don't know what instruments those are, but uh, yeah. If you watch the trailer, you'll okay. be in. Uh, all right, cool. You know, I mean, they'll I'll show you. Sure any I do that. Depth. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to. Right after you get done listening to all your podcasts, you'll pull up this uh, this trailer. But I watch the trailer, <laughs> and I highly recommend the, uh, all right. the show. All right, good. Babe. Let's go around the National Football <laughs> League, Wolf. And uh, what, which quarterback should we start with here? Yeah. See, that's that's what? some of the hard knock music. Oh, This is right here. Yeah. This is, like, the intro music. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But they've got, like, 12 different songs. The drama of it. Doesn't this make everything more dramatic? Um. I'm going to listen to this on my phone next time I go grocery shopping. Okay. And I'm going to treat it like I'm hunting, like you. Okay. So when you're, like, picking, like, fruit snacks off the wall, are you just, like, growling? No, I'm not, but I'm all business. All right. Yeah. Don't get in the way of the hand. You got to have a plan when you go food shopping. Otherwise, we'll be there forever. Yep. Uh, Okay, so let's start with, I guess let's start with Tampa. What? I don't know that I trust this team this year. I, I know they're extremely talented. I know a lot of people love them as like a Super Bowl favorite. Sure. I'm not going to pretend to know what's going on with Tom Brady and his personal life. I don't really want to know what's going on with Tom Brady and his personal life, but it certainly seems like something's up. And he sounds like he's good to go and ready for the start of the season, but would it shock you if in like week eight he's like, Sorry, I can't do this. i got other stuff that's more important. I, I don't know. I don't know what to believe with the Buccaneers. Wolf, well, in addition to the fact their offensive line's already all beat up.
2: You know, honestly, Basinonians, yeah, it brings back a lot of bad memories because my suspicion is something personal is going on with Tom Brady. I hope I'm absolutely wrong on that. I really do because I love and respect Tom Brady, the professional that he has been his entire life. Um, and now suddenly, once again, here it is, what is up with quarterbacks at the end of their careers? I don't know what it is, but it's it's almost like kings at the end of their reign it just doesn't seem to end well does it and yet here it is Tom Brady and what is going on it reminds me of how trivial your professional life becomes if you have no peace in your personal life and I don't know what's going on with Tom Brady I don't have any idea but man it looks like something personal could be going on and if if there is I just
1: take Tampa Bay and I put a line right through them. Yeah, I mean if you're talking about if you're talking about a team with Brady you're only talking about them through the scope of are they going to win the Super Bowl or not? He's obviously earned that, and he's on a pretty good football team. They got a lot of talent in Tampa Bay. But to your point, this is a guy that retired in the offseason and then came back. And, you know, who knows who's telling the truth or who even knows what they're talking about? But there's a lot of speculation oh. that, it, that he's got family stuff going. Not that somebody's sick, but that there's, it, there's marriage issues. Yeah, marriage issues. And to the point where even if everything works, out fine, Wolf. If you have any thought in the back of your mind, even if you're Tom Brady, of okay, yeah, we're gonna we're flying out to Carolina this weekend for this game. I probably should be home with my wife and kids. And, I mean, Brady's got some quotes. This is from uh, this is from his podcast, I believe, with, uh, with Jim Gray. He said, you can't stop your life even though sports is happening. Even though I'm playing in my 23rd year, I have a freshman in high school that is playing football, too. I have a 12-year-old that's going through his life. I have a 9-year-old that is going through her life. And I have parents. I have a lot of things that are really important, off-field pursuits and goals that you're trying to maximize as well. That's why you're retired, Tom. Uh, I mean, it doesn't mean you can't balance all that stuff while playing. Guys have obviously done it. But it just—it's been so back and forth with him. This, yeah. Off but season. you
2: know what's so great about that? The guys have done it, but not the way Tom Brady has done it. Mm-hmm. Brady just he absorbed everything. He he ate, slept, and breathed the game of football and is doing that even now that's always been Tom Brady that's why when you see Tom Brady all of a sudden he's gone for 11 days I'm sorry I just I I suspected something was wrong from the very beginning anyways I hope I'm wrong on that I just know that it it reminds me Luke you know it reminds me of my own situation and what happened to me sorry to say it did Um, you know suddenly your marriage is dissolving and the the impact it has on your professional life is profound, should be profound, especially when there are four kids that are involved. Um, it's just one of these situations where, again, I say if your professional life is, is um, in order, but your personal life is out of order, there is no professional life. Because the heart kicks the crud out of the brain. It always will. What you think will never be a match for how you feel. Does that make sense? And this is what I think of when I think of Tom Brady. Period. Period. This is what I think he's going through and has been going through. Something personal in his life with his marriage. Again, based on a lot of different reports that are out there that say there's something amiss. And the fact that, again, you're going to let a quarterback walk out for 11 days. It doesn't happen in the NFL. It does not happen. Even for Brady. Even with Tom Brady. Even Tom Brady saying that. How how would Tom Brady look at that from the outside looking in? No, if, if watching, one of
1: his teammates did it, he'd be like, "You better yeah. have a real good reason." He was to watching be a quarterback
2: a yeah. of all people walk away from a team for yeah, eleven that's, days that's, in training camp yeah.
1: when it wasn't a necessity. Yeah, it's it's not I, I, like being Tom Brady, that's what I think. And that's not a job that you you go to and you're like, okay, you know, like you're saying, personal life maybe isn't in order, but I can get through my work day and then I'll go home and work it out. Like Tom Brady can't get through his day. The Buccaneers can't afford Tom Brady getting through his day. It's not, hey Tom, can you go out there and play 17 games and then lose in the second round of the playoffs? That's that's not the goal. That's not why some of these guys are back in Tampa Bay. They're there to play with Tom Brady because they assume, and history has shown us they're probably right, that that gives you, like what, a 50% chance of playing in the Super Bowl? I mean, every other year, he seems to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, other end of the spectrum, not organizationally, but just in terms of quarterback talent, the Steelers have their quarterback for now, at least, Wolf, and it is Mitch Trubisky. And it, uh, I'm sorry, but the first thing I wondered is, is this the end of Mike Tomlin's streak? The guy just has never had a losing season. <laughs> I Honestly, I still think I he finds a way to, to, see, to do it.
2: I, I can't wait to see Mitchell Trubisky. Play quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: Let's let's iron this out right now. He's going to be better in Pittsburgh than he was in Chicago, isn't he? Um, I think he is. Mm, I think I don't think he's going to be great. Okay, he's uh, still Trubisky. I, I,
2: honestly, do I suspect it? I do. I think he's going to be because better. of Mike Tomlin, his coaching staff. I because of the organization, the fact that Mike Tomlin has not had a losing season. How many years is that? Is it truly eighteen years going on nineteen? He has not had a losing season. You've got to be kidding me. Um, it's something like that, Luke, I believe. It's something yeah, high. It's,
1: it's his entire career. I'm trying to figure out when he started. <laughs> I mean.
2: The math is it's in front of you right now. Listen, all I know is Mitchell Trubisky. It's going to be really interesting to see how he develops under Mike Tomlin and this coaching staff going forward, and we all know
1: why. Um, 15 years. 16.
2: 16 yeah, years. We're going into 16. 16 years. There it is, right there. Okay, I was off by a couple of years. Still, you think about it. Oh my goodness. This is Mitchell Trubisky. Craig likes him a lot. That much I know. Now, he liked Ma- Mason Rudolph as well, okay? Mm. Just for the record. I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> it but feels he like you're likes throwing him under the bus. Mitchell Trubisky a lot in what he's seen so far. So. You put him in a balanced offense, and we'll see what happens.
1: I think it's it's a different spot. The Bears were like, we're going to trade everything. We're going to move up and get you instead of Patrick Mahomes. And, uh, and all the pressure of this quarterback... <laughs> Hungry City is going to be on Mitch Trubisky. That's not the case in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, it's just, you got Brian Flores running the defense. You've got a lot of talent. They're just going to get, they're going to put him in the best position he's been in. What are you laughing at over (laughs) Just, you know, Pixie. I mean, I I was trying to not take a shot at the Bears. I didn't say anything about Justin Fields. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the latest news around sports with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It is the Wolf and Luke show on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.